This is Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Television Program. Also, if you're watching me on social media, welcome or listening on our shortwave or radio program. I'm going to be speaking today. It's in front of a live audience here at World Ministries International in our college chapel on unconditional love, not tolerance. Unconditional love, not tolerance. We're living in a lawless world where even governments have become as the mafia organized crime. The Roman Empire was very hedonistic, living for self-pleasure. And Americans have acquired that attitude and spirit. And through their programs on television, radio, etc., that hedonistic spirit is sweeping and negatively affecting people in every nation on earth. Yes, America has not only been the salvation of many countries for human rights, it has also been the moral demise of many countries. The Romans were free, but they were also some of the most idolatrous and immoral people that ever lived. This style of living for self, pleasure, and serving a menagerie of gods, idols, describes the atmosphere in America today. Frank Sinatra, Old Blue Eyes, sang the song, I will do it my way is the predominant attitude of most Americans, even in the church. I wonder where Frank is today. People even called Christians, raised in a good home and church, these people who call themselves Christians, they don't seem to know the difference any longer between right and wrong. Their arrogant, independent spirit will even argue with the true man or woman of God on morality and sin. The public schools and universities, television, Social media and their friends have changed their values, beliefs, and morality, as well as the definition of sin defined in the Bible. These type of people say, quote, oh, that is your opinion, or that's your religion, that's your Christianity, or that's your Jesus. Or what about unconditional love? We're not supposed to judge one another. Don't judge me, because we're supposed to have unconditional love toward one another. I want to continue to have sex with my boyfriend, but I'm a Christian. Americans in the Christian church, for the most part, is a dysfunctional mess. If pastors behind the pulpit had fearlessly taught the truth and preached against the sins of culture, children, young adults, and their members in their congregations would be more sensitive to sin and not in compliance or agreement with sins such as abortion, fornication, homosexuality, bisexual, woke, etc. Text, John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. <clears throat> Point number one, Jesus commanded obedience. All through the Bible, it is clear God demands obedience. Genesis 3, 11 through 24. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I ate it. The Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate it. You know, people are always passing the buck. So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any cattle, more than any beast of the field, 
On your belly will you go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between you, seed, and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. He shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. But thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you should eat the herbs of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of you it was taken. For dust you are and dust you will return. And Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living things. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord commanded tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord said, Behold, a man has become like us who knows good and evil. Now lest he put his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden to till the ground for which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed a cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Note, Adam and Eve were punished because of their sin, their rebellion. Not only did they lose that time to continue to live in a garden, but now they had to work and experience pain like in childbirth. They also lost eternal life at the time until they repented. But their repentance did not restore the position in the garden or the other consequences of their sin, such as working by the sweat of their brow, childbirth pain, etc. Genesis 4, 4 through 15. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. We're all tempted, but we can rule over it. We can reject temptation. Now Cain talked with his brother, Abel. And it came to pass when they were in a field, Cain rose up against Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you're cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and bag of bond, you should be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the earth. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Note, here we see that Cain's sin of disobedience to God and offering to the Lord and murdering his brother had consequences. Cain knew what type of offering the Lord wanted and demanded as Cain had watched his parents do offerings to the Lord. He knew it had to be a blood sacrifice which God demanded to cover our sins and lead eventually to the blood of sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice 
as Jesus' blood had no genetic defect from sin, so the blood of Jesus, with no impurities from sin, can give eternal life. And only God can forgive and restore us to eternal life. All the blood sacrifices of the Hebrews, lambs, goats, pigeons, bulls, were all in temporary sacrifice, representing the final sacrifice of the Messiah. See, Cain knew what God wanted. He deliberately did it his way. Oh, I will do it my way. Samson lost his eyes because of fornication. But God renewed his strength after he repented. He served God again, destroying the enemies of God. Nineveh was going to be destroyed until they repented from the king on down. Jonah was swallowed up by a whale and would have died in its belly until he repented and obeyed God by going to Nineveh and giving the warning from God to the city. Israel went into slavery time and time again until they repented. King Saul and Jonathan died because of Saul's sins. The examples could go on and on and on of the consequences of disobedience. Unconditional love? Yes. The consequences of sin is another story. Even with repentance. We have consequences on earth. Yes, God loved them unconditionally, meaning he will forgive them, not harboring bitterness or unforgiveness, not holding a grudge. But God will not tolerate deliberate sin. There are consequences. Jesus told the man at the pool of Bethsaida and the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. He also warned of the wages of Sin. John 5, 1 through 14. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and the, Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now there is a, by, in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew, Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, I've preached at that very location. Thank goodness we didn't have one healing. It wasn't waiting for one angel. And many people, and I was preaching to 153 at the time, and people were slain all over the place and people healed. Because God has given us that authority. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God is still walking through you with the same power. Now, a certain man was there who had infirmity 38 years. When he saw Jesus lying there, or when Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that already he had been in that condition, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no person to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming another steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Then the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered him, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they said to him and asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn 
a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Lest the worst thing come upon you. There's grace, there's mercy, but don't continue to sin and expect God to heal you. Sin no more unless the worst thing comes upon you. John 8, 1 through 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him. He sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to her and to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something which to accuse Jesus of. Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear them. Shows you sometimes it's wise just to not answer right away. So when they continued asking, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is out sin among you, let him throw the first stone. Again, he stooped down and wrote more on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted of their conscience, went out one by one beginning with the oldest, even to the last. Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus raised himself up, he saw no one but the woman. He said to her, woman, where are those who accuse you? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We see all through the Bible, Old and New Testament, there's always grace. People say grace is only New Testament. Grace was all through the Bible. Cities of refuge, go and sin no more. People being forgiven all through the Bible. There was grace, is grace, and will be grace until Jesus returns. And then we're living in grace eternally. Because we shouldn't be with the Lord eternally. But God forgave us himself. Note. The meaning is what President Richard Nixon used to say, this is crystal clear. God's love is unconditional, but he judges our sins. A parent loves the child, no matter what the child does. You love your child. Your child could murder somebody. They could be on death row. You will love that child. But that child still needs discipline. We love our children, but we still... If we understand what the Bible says, we still have to spank them. We love them unconditionally. Nothing will ever stop me from loving my children. I could be disappointed in their actions. Jesus is in us. Many times, I think. I will always love them. I will always forgive them if they say sorry. I will never hold a grudge or unforgiveness or bitterness or anger. That doesn't mean that they can escape a spanking. You get stopped by a Christian police officer. You can say sorry, but you still might get a ticket. John 8, 1 through 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. The, the point here is, he who is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. That's the point of what we just read in John 8, 1 through 11. He who is without sin. In other words, cast the first stone. In other words, there is no forgiveness, no grace. 
we're supposed to always have grace. We're supposed to always be willing to forgive if they repent. This woman was repenting. Jesus was forgiving. But he also warned her, go and sin no more. My dad once in a while would forgive me from a spanking. But if I did it again, boy, did I get a harder spanking. Right? I mean, all of us, didn't you? Well, I sure did. If I dared do it again, whoo! Tell you what, I respected it because it's kept me, kept me out of prison, kept me from being a drunk, kept me from uh, smoking, kept me from a lot of problems, fornicating everything because my dad believed in spanking. Forgive me when I repented, but still spanking. He believed in the Bible, spare the rod and spoil the child. He knew that God was wiser than we are. A lot of pastors preach and twist the word of God. They're so arrogant. Oh, if I, if I really read what the Bible says, I'll offend the people. Well, so you don't offend the people. And so here they are continuing in their sin. They're not repenting. They're cohabitating. How can they repent? And what is God going to do you, pastor, on judgment day? You are so arrogant. You changed his words. You thought you were wiser than God. See, that's what pride does. Oh, I'm wiser to God. Let me change it. No, you're not wiser. You're a fool. A fool described in the word of God is simply one that thinks you're wiser than God and you change the values and morality of God and you do it in your own way. God calls you a fool. Again, a parent loves the child. He'll forgive, but he still has to correct. Romans 6, 1 through 23. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized in Jesus were baptized unto his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also should be walking in newness of life. You know, should we tempt grace? No, God forbid. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with Christ. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over us. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. See, you have a choice in all of this. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. See, we don't have to choose to sin. Not deliberately, we don't. You submit to your lust. You choose to rebel. You choose to sin. You choose not to forgive. You choose to hold anger. You choose not to have restoration, not to have relationship. It's our choice. Now, if you're not born again, to say, don't have sex with your boyfriend, and you're not born again, you have no power. You're living for yourself, which is sin. You serve your lust. 
But if you are born again, that's a whole other story. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law? But under grace, certainly not. Do you not know that whom you present yourselves slaves you obey? You are not slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Sin leading to death. The wages of sin is death. But God be thanked. And though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart, that from the doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. What's righteousness? Doing it God's way. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For you, just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now your members are slaves to righteousness or holiness. If you belong to Christ, if you choose to follow Christ, you're choosing to follow righteousness and holiness, not selfishness or hedonism or homosexuality or bisexualism. For when you were slaves of sin, you were freed in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For in the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. In the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 5, 1-12 Therefore be imitators of God, dear children. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanliness, covetousness, let it not even be named among you as fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather exposing them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Galatians 5, 16 through 21. I say, then walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and they fight each other. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. But the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lawlessness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbirth of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you before, just as I told you in the past, those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Romans 1, 16 through 32, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for anyone, everyone who believes, Jew first, then Gentile. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it's written, the just will live by faith, which is obedience. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all uncleanliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. 
Because what we may known of God is manifested in them, for God has shown it to them. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. And they're without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and creeping things. We know what's right and wrong in America. We have a Christian foundation. They know it in Congress, but they turn over to deceivableness because they don't want to obey the word of God. And Congress is led by fools. Therefore, God gave them up to unlawfulness, uncleanliness, in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their own bodies. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passion. Even their women exchanged the natural use, which is against nature. Likewise, the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burn in their lust one for another. Men with men committing what is shameful, receiving in himself the penalty of their error. Sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceitful, evil-minded, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, Violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things disobedient to parents are deserving of death. Jesus ate with sinners, but he did not commit their sins. You'll find that in Matthew 9, 10 to 13. Jesus said to the Jews, if you abide in my words, you are my disciples, and the truth will set you free. May God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.